Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray over Lewis this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for my brother here uh, and his family uh, and the blessing they are to this church. Um, We just ask right now, God, what a wonderful, amazing opportunity it is. Although we miss our pastor, uh, it's just an incredible opportunity to hear voices from the community. Um, And we know, God, that you don't just speak through pastors, you speak through all of us. And so I just thank you for this opportunity to hear from Lewis as he dives into uh, a specific fruit in our lives, one that we need more of in this world and more of in our own lives. And so I just ask right now, God, as we turn our attention towards uh, being how you are towards us, towards one another in displaying these fruit of the Spirit, I just ask that you would speak through Lewis. We know that he's been faithful in his preparation uh, for today. And just ask your spirit of peace over him uh, as he speaks this morning. And I pray that you'd be your voice that we hear, not just Lewis's, but your voice through him. So God, I just thank you for my brother here. As we hand it off to him, I pray a blessing over him and over us as well as we hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Good morning. Okay. Well, I was doing just fine until um, Aaron called me a preacher. (laughs) Just to be clear, I am not a member of the pastoral team here. I just usually sit over there and try to stay out of trouble. Um, So for those of you joining us for the first time, um, or maybe missed previous announcements, we're going through this series called The Fruit of Balls. And for the next nine weeks or so, we'll be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And we will have different members of the congregation to come and share different fruit. So this morning, you get me. And uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, before I go on, I want to first thank the AV team. Um, also staff, in particular Aaron and Lucy, for setting me up this morning. Um, I'm terrible with microphones because I need to talk with my hands. And this morning, they got me set up so nicely, I just have to talk. So <laughs> no more excuses. So here we go. Um, and of course, um, I want to just uh, quickly say hello to those online. Thanks for joining us and blessings <laughs> to you wherever you might be, including my family. Hello. All right. So um, let's go to the next slide, please. So. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, as uh, Aaron shared with, us, shared with us last week, our passage for this series is Galatians 5, 22 to 24. And just a very quick recap um, of what Aaron shared last week was that the Galatian church at this time was in a bit of a turmoil, and uh, they were experiencing division in the church um, because of false teachings. So that compelled Paul to write this urgent letter Uh, to the Galatian church to remind them that uh, we are justified and saved by faith and grace and that we don't need to rely on uh, the 
the practices of, of the Old, Old Testament and, uh, and, and rituals. And Aaron reminded us that uh, it is God who cultivates in us fruit of the Spirit. And they are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So it's been said many times, uh, today we're going to talk about love. And the thing about love is it has many, many meanings, right? So it, for you, it could mean the color red. It could mean family. It could mean cross, Jesus, cute babies, <laughs> um, puppy, right? It could mean friendship. It could mean a romantic relationship. And it's made even more complicated because the mainstream popular culture is always pushing new definitions with every song, every new movie. The word is just indefinite. But for us today, uh, what I want to do is kind of focus us back down to the love of God. And my hope today is to frame the conversation specifically uh, focusing on an Old Testament word for love. Next slide. And this is the word chased. And um, you need to have a bit of a drive-thru to say it. And for the safety of those on the front row, we'll just say chased. Okay? Um, this word appears in the Old Testament 245 times. And it's translated many different ways, which we'll see soon. What I want to say off the top is that um, this word necessarily implies an existing relationship. So in other words, you cannot have hased if you don't have a relationship. It's only in the context of a relationship you can give, share, practice hased. Um, and we can see this uh, relationship play out in Exodus uh, 33, when God instructs Moses to lead people out of Egypt to the promised land, right? And before we get to the verse, I just want to set up a little bit of context. Um, so here, in chapter 33, Moses and God actually go on a dialogue, almost like a negotiation. And in that conversation, God pretty much says yes to many of Moses' requests. And he does so by saying this, I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And he wasn't referring to just Moses. He was also talking about Israel. He knows Israel by name. And by extension, he knows you, he knows me by name. And Moses, not wasting the opportunity, asked God, show me your glory. So it's in the context of the relationship with his people that Yahweh God, the great I am, declares himself as God of love and desires to show his people the characteristics of his love. So let me read um, how God declared love as one of his attributes in, here in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. As he, God, passed in front of Moses. So the situation here is, Moses says, says to God, show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to cover your face. I'm going to pass you first. Then you can see my glory from the back. So here God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate 
and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So here we see hased appearing twice, and it's translated as love, faithfulness, um, or loyal and enduring. It, um, yeah, so, so God not only revealed his glory to Moses through this visible manifestation, God also presented his image in the context of love. So God's loyal love and enduring love is illuminated through his glorious image. Right, so here Moses gets to see God's glory. And not only does he see a visible manifestation of God, and God says, I love you with enduring love. I am the God of love. So it's like looking at the sun. When you see the sun, you get heat, you get light. When we see God, you get glory and you get love. That's the essence of God. That's who he is. That's the great I am, Yahweh. In Jeremiah 9.24, next slide, um, we read, but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they may have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness. And Hased, again, here is, appears as kindness. Justice, righteous, righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Then in Micah 6.8, it says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. Here, love appears twice. And the first one is ahaba or ahaba. And this word has more of a general connotation for love. And hased here appears again as mercy. So we could read the second part of that verse as to act justly and to love, to practice merciful love to others. So double dose of love. So what, what have we seen so far? God revealing himself in his glory that radiates, radiates love, and he says, my love, hased, is expressed as everlasting, enduring, compassionate, or mercy in this case, loving kindness, and loyal. Now, remember in the beginning of the Bible, when God created people, you and me, the humankind, he says, let us make them, you and me, in his image. That suggests God, through us, is radiating love and his glory. It's no wonder Daniel, our associate pastor, before he preaches every time, he says, let me look at you. He's seeing God's love and glory right here in this room every time he preaches. And Daniel, I see you there. I know why you do that, and I, I see the beautiful view. <laughs> and it's true. As you and I are made in God's image, through us, God's going to radiate love and show his glory. So let's read a story of how God loves to show his love, to show his glory to other people. In this story, we'll see a more fulsome definition of hased on display. Um, our scripture for today is from Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, if you want to read along on your Bible, in your Bible. And uh, before we do so, let me just quickly pray for us. God, thank you so much that this morning we can come and uh, share your word together. 
And uh, I'm grateful to be doing all the talking, but I trust that you will do all the work in us to change our hearts and minds as we learn about your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ruth, chapter one. In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The name's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Cleon. And they went, they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived about 10 years, both Malon and Cleon also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's, in, uh, mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. Skip into verse 12. Returning home, my daughters. Uh, return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait till they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept, wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Skipping to verse 16, Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped, urging her. So Naomi and her husband goes to Moab, and as you can see, things took a turn for the worse. We have to be sensitive to the fact that in the ancient world, a childless widow is among the lowest, most disadvantaged and vulnerable class. There is no support, no status, and she's dependent on the generosity of her community. Except in this case, she's in a foreign land. So how that gener generosity will come about, it's very uncertain. So it was a dire situation for Naomi. So it makes sense once she learned about God coming to the aid of Israel that she would prepare to go home. But this is not as straightforward as it seems, because it's not a simple Uber ride on a donkey across the countryside, <laughs> right? She's gonna have to hike all the way back through the Jordan, um, through the wilderness, um, through the desert, 
And um, as a widow with no husband and no children, there's no, obviously no physical uh, security. There's no food security, not to mention having to deal with weather and the elements. So um, I think it's fair to say the chances of survival in making it back is pretty darn low, right? I can't even get to Duncan without stopping in Mill Bay, and I'm driving. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a tough journey. It's a perilous journey ahead. Um, then what's amazing is Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, she didn't say, come with me. She says, you go home. Go home to your family. And she thanks them. She says, by blessing them, says, may the Lord show you kindness, in verse 8, she says, may the Lord show you kindness, Hased, as you have shown Hased to your dead husband and to me. So how, does, how is kindness shown to her and her dead sons? Hased, in, in this case here, is implying honor, the love of honor and covenant love to their dead husbands. Because at this point, they're all widows, there is no longer any obligation. The, the Orpah and, um, and uh, Ruth could very well, just, very well just go home. Right? There's no more obligations. But yet they stayed with Naomi. And by doing so, she, they honors her, honors her as their mother-in-law and also demonstrates their covenant to their deceased husbands. In response, Naomi demonstrates her selfless love by insisting that the two of them not take on this perilous journey with her. Right? On top of that, she blesses them and says, go back and remarry. She wants them to reestablish their status and security in their community. And she could have very well said, you know, follow me back, and once I get back to Jerusalem, then you can go home. She didn't do that. Naomi didn't say that. She says, you just stay. And it's more important for Naomi that she makes sure of their security and also its status before anything else. What's notable in this story also is that um, they wept aloud. Twice it mentions that. So anytime you see in the Bible things mentioned twice, we have to pay attention. And what I want to stress here is simply there's a deep affectionate love amongst these three women. Right? It's not a, just a simple obligations because, you know, that's my mother-in-law. It's a deep affection, right? Um, and that's something that um, it's all part of this characteristics of love that we are talking about today. Then at the end, Ruth. I mean, her response is truly amazing. We say there's a perilous journey up ahead. But for Ruth, things are even more uncertain. For Naomi, she's going back to her home. If she makes it, great. For Ruth, if she makes it, that's a big if, if she makes it, she is entering a foreign land. There's even more um, uncertainty for her. She's leaving her network of family and support behind. But the only hope she had was Naomi and her God. So Ruth says, where you go, I'll go and your God will be my God. And Ruth's, Ruth's unwavering commitment went far beyond obligation and duty. And she's clinging on to this hope 
that Naomi's God is the, really the only thing that she has to look forward to. Um, I kind of briefly mentioned this earlier, but it's worth mentioning again that this love, it's not patronizing, nor is it out of pity. Naomi never said to her two daughters-in-law, you know, you're too young, just stay, you probably can't make it. I'll go by myself. I might die along the way, but don't worry about me. You just stay home. <laughs> None of that, right? She recognizes that it's too dangerous and that her heart, her hope, her love is for the, these two, her daughters-in-law, to have a future. Now, as you um, think about the story, I hope you can see the clear display of the characteristics of God's love in their relationship. And as you think about this story, along with um, remembering the context of Exodus we just talked about, when God declared his love and glory, you see the image of God in these women through love. And that's the whole point of loving each other, so that others can see the glory of God through us, the people made in his image. When's the last time we remind ourselves of that in the morning? Look in the mirror and say, I am made in God's image. Maybe we should try that. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, or maybe when you go home today, look in the mirror and say, glory and love. <laughs> Anyways, you try, I don't know. But uh, just throwing it out there. Um, when, we're re- when we remember, this is important, because when we remember that we're made in God's image, it changes our perception of others. Um, a few years ago, I was walking downtown Victoria, and about a block and a half in front of me, I, I, I could see this guy walking his dog. And what's weird about it was that he has his leash spanning all the way across the entire sidewalk. And I see people either stepping over the leash or going onto the path of the traffic. And I could also see this person having some exchanges with some of the pedestrians. And from the body language, it's clear those weren't pleasant exchanges. Nevertheless, he kept going, and the leash continues to spend the entire uh, width of the sidewalk. Then came my turn. And as I'm walking towards this guy, frustration started to rise, blood pressure started to rise, and a little bit of anger started to rise. And by the time we're crossing each other, I'm in the middle of the road, Douglas Road. And I had to step over the leash. And the moment I did that, (laughs) I said in my head, what a jerk. Um, I, had, I didn't make eye contact with the guy. I had no good thoughts in me. I just thought, what a jerk, and I kept walking. As soon as I stepped foot onto the sidewalk, this thought came to my head. He's made in God's image. I don't know why. At that moment, the whole world stopped for me. I didn't hear anybody. I didn't see anybody. I couldn't hear traffic. All I could hear was, he's made in God's image. So something came over me and blood pressure came down, frustration came down, and I was able to have the presence of mind to turn around and look at the guy. And I went from, what a jerk, to, 
wonder what his name is. I wonder where he's going. Like, is that even his dog? <laughs> Why is that dog keep walking away from him? <laughs> and that was quite the 180 shift, right? To calling a guy a jerk, to now wanting to know what is his story. My failure that day, in addition to getting angry, was I wasn't able to catch up and follow up. Nor was it safe to do so. I, I, I don't know, but we do have to use our judgment sometimes. But um, that experience stuck with me, and for the last three years or so, every time I'm in a grocery store, every time I'm in a traffic jam, any time I'm, you know, in in stressful situations, I remind myself, we. Are made in God's image, and that helps tremendously, at least for me, to shift that perspective, to say, "Lord, my frustrations, my lens of frustration and judgment needs to need to come down, and I need to have You as that filter for me, and to remember that we are made in Your beautiful, wonderful, glorious, loving image." So we talked about many characteristics of、um, Hasid, God's love, and I just want to, instead of giving you a list of all the definitions or different ways of translating it, and by the way, it's translated differently not because the translators or the scribes couldn't agree on the definition. As you can see from the stories illustrated so far, it's a very complex, rich. Word hasad, God's characteristic is cannot be pinpointed by just one or two words, and now it kind of makes sense when I think about this. This over over this last month or so, when we sing that song in 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 Sunday school, God's love is deep and wide, and when I taught kids that song, I I didn't know what that meant. What's deep and wide? So this word hasad gives us a sense of what that means. It's not a simple one word. Uh, response from God. His hasef was covers so many things, so many attributes and characteristics. And so, instead of giving you a whole list of what it might be,、um, I, I summarized it in a in a sentence as as an encouragement that maybe something this is something we can practice for ourselves as a reminder, also practice toward one another. And it's this: I love you. Imagine God telling you this, and I love it if we could tell each other this when we have the time. I love you by choice, through generous action with deep affection, to fulfill a promise in our enduring covenant relationship. So this is my version, my translation of Hasid, and it takes many words, <laughs> but we need to love each other like this, to love one another. By choice, remember in the beginning when God says to Moses, "I know you by name. I know you, and it's because I know you, I choose to love you through generous action with deep affection to fulfill the promise in our enduring covenant relationship." Now, just to clarify something here, God has already fulfilled His promise through His Son Jesus. What this, what I'm trying to convey here, is that His promise is. Is through His Spirit. He's going to continue to cultivate us, in in us to love, continue to walk with us, in love, 
and that he will fulfill that promise that through us, we will be able to show God's glory and love one another. So I'm, I'm glad some of you are taking pictures um, of this slide. I hope it would be an encouragement for you. Um, although it's probably hard to do. Nowadays, we barely say the word I love you before we walk out the door, right? Oftentimes it's I love, <laughs> door closed. So I hope by sharing this <laughs> sentence with you that it's to remind you that you will take the time to tell one another or to demonstrate one another this love. So what does this actually mean for all of us? It simply means we have to be intentional about developing a relationship so we may demonstrate God's love. God's love is far beyond good deeds, right? It's far beyond a list of do-goods, which I'm sure all of us here do every day. Opening the door for somebody, buying lunch for someone, visiting someone who's in need, um, volunteering at a soup kitchen. I encourage you to continue to do that. But I also challenge you, as we do these things, we think about everything that we do should be under the premise of a relationship, just as God's uh, good deeds toward us is in that context of a relationship. So when we buy that someone a cup of coffee, maybe do more than just paying for it. Take the time and to know them. When we go volunteer at a soup, soup kitchen, instead of just making the soup and cleaning up afterwards, take some time and talk to someone. Get to know their name. We have to work our way into this deep-rooted love for one another. And through that interaction, it's only where God, uh, people can see God. And I know you're thinking, well, that sounds great. It does sound pretty good, but it's hard to do. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's made even more difficult, I would say, um, in our world today versus uh, the, the, the days of, of, of um, Naomi. Because back in the days, everyone lived in, this, in a community where everyone knew each other. And back in those days, people depended on one another for survival, literally. In an in a, in a agricultural economy, you've got to do your part, right? You, you grow your fruit, you grow your wheat, you grow your vegetables, and you make your crafts, and then you come to the market, and then you trade, exchange, sell, and you get into each other's business. That's how it is. If someone's in need, there's no hiding it. We know it. We can see it. And in that context, um, it's much like the, the opportunities are right there for people to take part in each other's lives, in loving one another, supporting one another. I suggest for us today, doing that is far more difficult with the advent of technology. First came the train. First came the car, then came suburbia, then came the internet. And we have proven in the last two years, we can live through two years without seeing each other. Right? We've proved it. You can make a living in front of your computer. And your bank account just grows by number. And you then see a single person. If you're hungry, if you have a phone, tap, tap, tap. Freshly cooked meal shows up at your door. If you need a book, why go to the library? Tap, tap, tap. Two hours later, I get this book that I couldn't even find in the library. 
I don't need you. You don't need me. I've got my phone. All is well. Well, how do we love like that? How do we love each other if we don't need to see each other? Right? And let's say for those who don't have phones, you say, well, this is not applicable. Well, it's absolutely applicable. Nowadays, what do we do? We, after church, we get in a car, and off to suburbia we rush, back into our little box. We don't have to see each other. So when I say we have to be intentional, I really mean it. It really means having to get out and see someone and intentionally engage and intentionally grab that cup of coffee, pull someone aside and talking and engaging. It means having to get into each other's business. And in our Western culture, that's called invasion of privacy. <laughs> like I said, it's not a simple task, but that is no excuse. We do, we share and give love based on what's needed. We observe, we cautiously observe, and when we see a need, we have got to jump to our feet and do something, right? And sometimes people say, well, you know, I really just want to go home. Do they really mean that? Why not say, hey, before you go home, why don't we grab a cup of coffee? What I'm saying is, with a, with a degree of reasonableness, let's get into each other's business. Let's try it. The worst thing that could happen is, leave me alone. <laughs> That's fine. I'll leave you alone, but I'll text you. <laughs> right? So there's a reverse, right? You, you don't want to see me anymore. You just want to use your phone and live. Well, I'm going to use that very same technology. And I'm going to come say hello. There are many ways to love. It takes a little bit of creativity. But you saw the story today of how Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, let's not forget about her, demonstrated love for one another with great passion, great commitment for one another. Um, and we saw how God, through love, showed himself, showed his glory to Moses and says, my glory is also my love. And the fact that he makes us in his image, I think it's truly, truly incredible that he entrusts you and me to demonstrate that love. Let's not forget about that responsibility, right? It's a blessing, but also a responsibility. And sometimes when I think about it, it does make me want to kind of dress a little better <laughs> and behave better because God, uh, people will see God through us that should make us shake a little bit. That should put us in our best behavior. Not because we can be fake to one another, but to know that at any moment we are called to love and not just good deeds. Because good deeds without love, Hased, is just a list of to do. And that doesn't really go anywhere. And you'll never, as you know, you'll never run out of to do's. But let's do more than just doing something, but in our action, that's love. And, and, and show us, well, maybe I should say, give God the opportunity to cultivate in us that love to share with the world. 
So as Aaron mentioned last week, that we're calling this series The Fruit of All. So I just want to emphasize that a little bit. It's also not something that you and I have by our own effort do and be fruitful, make a list of things that we, you and I could accomplish. But it's about being fruitable, being able to humble ourselves and say, God, work it in and through me so that I can love others and meet others where they, they're at. Um, I think I've said enough about love, but I do want to circle us back to Galatians. I know we, we went straight to Exodus and Genesis, but now we do want to come back to Galatians. But I want to read for you um, Galatians 5, 22-23 in the message. And in it, I hope as we read this, you'll see the connection. And you'll see that God's character, characteristics of love is also captured here in this list of fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why I want to do that is to illustrate that God's love does not change. When he first declared his love for Israel, when he was talking to Moses, the word hase he used and all the characteristics inherent in that word, in that definition, is also reflected here. So in other words, from the beginning, God loved, and that love continued until Galatians and continues today. So let me read for you Galatians um, 5, 22 to 23. Uh, this is from the message. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a, convic and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitment, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So I hope you picked up on some of the characteristics there that we've been talking about. And it's also summarized here by Paul. God's love does not change. And so for the next eight weeks or so, when we continue to talk about fruit of the Spirit, I think we'll continue to hear God's love through all different fruit of the Spirit. Which is to say, God's love does not change. And God's love covers, spans so many different ways. So I'd like to invite the music team to come up. This week, I encourage you to say this to yourself. As I said earlier, that, that summary sentence I, I shared earlier. Remember that God loves you by choice through generous action with deep affection to fulfill a promise in his enduring covenant relationship. I hope you're encouraged today. I know I purposely did not want to give us a list of how to love one another because I don't have a PhD in love and you don't want me to tell you how to love one another. But God can, and God wants to cultivate the gift of loving one another 
as you walk in the Spirit with Him. Before I end, I also just quickly want to say, if this is your first time here and you are interested, if this message is in your heart and you want to know about Jesus, you want to know about this God, you, maybe you want to commit to this God, I would love to talk with you after the service. Um, we have elders here in the room. Um, elders, would you mind raising your hand? We have elders here, here. Thank you so much. And thank you, by the way, for praying for me this week. I really appreciate that. I receive your love. Um, there are people, elders in this room, that are able to pray with you and talk with you as well. We do have a prayer room over there. And if you're interested to know more about this love and want to talk to someone about it, please do so. Please respond. For those online, um, reach out. Maybe email church. I would love to follow up with you if you'd like to, to know more about this God whose essence and characteristics is love. And he's willing to sh- and wanting to share that love with you. So I'll end there. And I thank you so much for your attention. Thank you for the chance to share with you what's been in my heart this last month or so. And it's been a privilege to be able to share with you. And, and thank you for putting up with me. So <laughs> blessings to you.